the leadership development program at Native Governance Center is especially important to me because we need leaders that are Native American out in the community. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is at its core a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. And it's just this great mix of people, passion, gifts, purpose, all with the, the goal of amplifying Native voices. How are you doing today, Cole? Very good, very good. You know, just um, we have our honeymoon um, in January. So (laughs) I'm trying to understand when I should probably start getting prepared for that beach bod, you know, the beach bod (laughs) situation. Um, You have a body and you can go on the beach. Boom, beach body. But other than that, you know, just just chilling. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. All is quiet here in the Lem household. Um, my husband, Daniel, and Marvin, our nine-year-old, are at archery practice now. And Marvin really loves it. And it's a nice yeah. time to relax during the day, I guess. A little unexpected extra quiet time so we can we can chat in peace. I'm very excited to speak with our guest today, who is Jessica Glidden. Yes. Jessica uh, is a F- Boys Fort Band of Chippewa citizen, and she currently works as a program manager at the Native Governance Center, uh, which is a Native-led nonprofit that aids Native nations in the region, strengthening their own governance systems and capacity to exercise sovereignty. I know Lee and I have uh, done a little bit of work with them in the past. Uh, I've, we've lent our voices, literally, uh, to some of their explainer videos. So, you know, they're just helping raise awareness and educating the broader public on Native issues. These issues could be, you know, tribal sovereignty and Native nation rebuilding. So, uh, doing a lot of good good work. So, I can't wait to talk to her about all of that and, you know, some of the new things that they're doing. Yeah, it was really fun to do some work with them and put on our professional voices. <laughs> <laughs> And learn something along the way, too. <laughs> I got to get to a nice, quieter spot when I do those. <laughs> it needs to sound more legit, not construction happening everywhere. <laughs> the dog running around. It's the immersive environment that we have going on for Native Lights. <laughs> exactly. A little different. <laughs> exactly. And here she is, Buju Jessica. Buju Gawin Apiji Ninitao Jibwe Mosi, Jessica Glidden, and Dijnikaz. Awasi si indodem, boys for nindunjiba, shakpe ninda. So, hello everybody. My name is Jessica Glidden. My family comes from Boys Fort Reservation in northern Minnesota. However, I'm calling in today from Dakota Homelands in Shakopee, Minnesota. This is where I actually grew up for most of my life. So, even though um, my family's actively living on the Boys Fort Reservation, I grew up in the cities. So, um, that is where I, I am. That's where I currently reside. My family is here. My son goes to school here. And and that's where I'm joining in from today. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, Jessica, what is at the top of your mind these days? Is there something that you're thinking about that you'd like to share? Yes. Uh, So working for Native Governance Center, we did a community engagement event um, about a week ago on Indigenous representation and why it matters. And that's really a lot of what drives the work that I do is that cultural identity and my own personal struggle, navigating that um, in the world that I personally live in. And one of the questions from um, one of our audience members that came in has really stuck with me this last week, um, which has really been heavy on my mind is the lateral violence in our community and why we're still doing it to each other. Um, And without going into too much detail, this, this person is a descendant and her grandmother had some regalia that had been passed on to her. Um, She had spent, I believe she said, one to two years working on her regalia, working on her beadwork, um, really proud to have, you know, this opportunity to wear her grandmother's regalia, got the courage up to go to her first powwow, went out into the arena and danced and, you know, the best intention, best way she knew how, and overheard some women in the bathroom actually talking about her and talking about why is this woman, you know, why is this white woman or why is this not a native woman here? And why is she in the arena? And where did she get that regalia? Um, So, you know, just my heart broke for her and I can't help but just, just keep thinking about this woman and the lateral violence that we do to each other and why we're still doing it. Like, why, why are we still, Um, in a place where we're not accepting each other in our backgrounds, no matter where we come from, whether we're living on reservations, whether we're enrolled members or descendants, um, whether we have that cultural connection or not. um, Why are we not uplifting each other, you know, and and really just getting to that that supportive um, relationship building piece rather than tearing each other down without even knowing that woman's story or going up to her and asking her about her regalia or where it came from, you know, just basing that assumption on looks. So that's really been sticking with me and and thinking about how um, I can bring that into the work that I do and, and, you know, try to change some of that going forward and, and, the, the language that we use with our young ones is so important to really uplift our communities, uplift our people. It's just been weighing heavy on me. And my, like I said, my heart just breaks for this woman so much. I wish that she would have felt more acceptance in that arena that day. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Jessica Glidden, Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Citizen and Program Manager at the Native Government Center, which is a Native-led nonprofit aiding Native nations in the region, strengthening their own governance systems and capacity to exercise their sovereignty. Do you think, and this is, this builds in, this question is very <laughs> much my own history of also grappling with that lateral violence do you see it as being an embrace of a colonized mindset as opposed to really expressing culturally relevant, culturally appropriate 
values. Kind of like in parallel to what Native Governance Center does, um, having that empowerment mindset um, and embracing sovereignty, embracing culturally relevant values in response to this like colonized mindset that has been forced, I guess, for lack of a better word, on a lot of our communities. Absolutely. Um, you know, the issues of, of blood quantum are so complex, but they are colonized ways of thinking. That's not how we treated our people. That's not how we determined membership. So it's not our traditional ways of being. Um, so I, I absolutely believe that these are colonized ways of you know, thinking and things that have been embedded into us. And I think that there's a lot of room for change and growth um, just by going back to some of our traditional core values and rethinking outside of the standard approach, which is part of what we teach in our Rebuilders program is getting away from this colonized standard approach and going back to, you know, our nation rebuilding approach. So honoring that systems are in place, but how can we rebuild them to make them sustainable and with cultural match and spirited leadership so that they are sustainable for the next seven generations and so that we can really uplift our communities. You mentioned Native Government Center, but uh, before we kind of dive into your role there, I was I wanted to take a step back and you mentioned lateral violence and uh, I can I feel like that's a part of, uh, that could be a, a part of people struggling with their identity, their native identity, like that lady you were uh, uh, giving an example of. Um, and I, I saw a video of you where you were talking about your struggle with your native identity. And I can, Leah as well, I, I don't want to talk for her, but you know, I can relate to that you know, as somebody who's both native and Scandinavian, grew up outside of the reservation. Suburban um, Indians. To, yeah, suburban <laughs> Indian. It's hard to feel part of the community, the native community, when you feel, you know, kind of distant from it. Um, could you just talk about, you know, your your struggles with your identity and, and how you connected with it? And I, I, you said you talked about you found validation. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, my mom was um my mother's side is the side that identifies as native, and she was a young mother. My birth father essentially rejected me as a young child. So I have no idea um, any of his family history. So I've only known my native side of my family. That's how I've identified um, myself. When I was about five, my mom got married at that point, and my stepdad then adopted me. So I had a dad from five on and um, wonderful father, but still really only identified with the native side of the family, which is all I was um, exposed to. I grew up um, as a, a fancy shawl dancer, a jingle dancer, and really didn't know any different other than just the family I grew up with. And then later in life, questions started coming, you know, how much native are you? Where are you from? In school, you know, it was very traumatic for me at my first experience in school in fifth grade, being called out of the classroom, asked to go to the office. I was terrified. I thought I was in trouble. I walked to the office, my little fifth grade self, thinking the worst. And I was pulled into a counselor's office where I was told I was there because I was Native American 
And they needed to know how to deal with me, essentially. What do I need from the school to support me? Because they had no idea. There wasn't a lot of Native American students in my school that I was going to at the time. And essentially, the impression I got from the woman was that she needed to do something for me because there was a standard that she needed to meet or a box she needed to check, but she wasn't really quite sure what that was. And I didn't know how to respond. Up until that moment, I didn't even really understand it was different. It was very apparent at that moment that I was different because of the way that I was pulled out and brought into that office. And so it was really, you know, fifth grade on becoming, you know, into my adulthood when those questions um, came. And then even that lateral violence piece, even from my own family, Um, my family today, like my mom lives on the Boys Fort Reservation, um, my cousins, my uncles, and I have a, you know, cousin that would call me a Sidian because I didn't live on the reservation, even though I was still closely connected. I remember going to my uh, my great grandpa's house and they only spoke Ojibwe and I didn't speak Ojibwe and we would just kind of smile and nod at each other and hug and, you know, do the facial expressions, but not able to verbally communicate. Um, and so it's just, it's really confusing, right? So like living in this world where it's like, you're not enough, but yet you're too much Indian, you're not enough Indian, walking this path of where do I belong? I'm not on the reservation. I'm I'm living in the city setting. Um, Am I representing my community in a good way, the best way I know how? Not living there, you know, and then traveling back and forth um, between the two worlds. It's just it's really confusing and hard and Mm -hmm. every space you go into, you wonder, you know, we wear so many hats and it's like, who are you today? (sighs) And thankfully I'm so grateful for um, a turtle mountain elder. I crossed paths with about eight years ago. I think it was, Oh man, she changed my, my whole outlook and view was she really just kind of set me straight. I, I just can't give her enough credit. Uh, her name is Deb Andreen, and she was doing some consultant work at Shakopee High School. And we went at a, a parent advisory committee meeting. Um, they put me as chairperson and, and always feeling so tokenized, right? Because you are the Native American. It was like, oh, you check this box. We're going to use you as this image or as this person. So I was terrified. They put me as this chairperson and not knowing what to do or what to expect. This elder um, reached out to me and we became just the the best of friends. Um, She really supported me in in this work and this role as to, it doesn't matter, um, you know, where you physically live. It doesn't matter what you look like. She just really supported the work that basically you have good intentions, you have a good heart, you are on a good path, do that. And just shared her knowledge with me and really just supported every step of along the way and, and really changed a whole career path for me. I was working in more of like a, a corporate type setting, not with Indian education or anything at that point. Um, cause I didn't really feel like I had that, that, 
that sense of belonging. Um, I wasn't really quite sure that imposter syndrome, like where do you belong? Where, where do you fit in? And she really saw that in me and I can't give her enough credit. So what led to you, you know, going to the Native Governance Center? I actually applied for a different position, um, you know, just kind of feeling that imposter syndrome, not knowing where I fit in, where I belonged, not really feeling worthy, not living on the reservation or being so closely connected. Was I worthy of, you know, leading these amazing change makers and the work that they do? And the director of finance and administration at Native Governance Center saw that in me. Um, and really, for the first time, I felt seen and heard and honored for who I was. Um, and actually, they they offered me a position that wasn't even available at the time. And I feel like since I have taken this position with Native Governance, I've really felt that I've been able to be myself. And it hasn't been so hard navigating, you know, where I belong or where I fit in. Um, I felt really supported and, and honored for what I bring to the table, not so much of who I am or what box I check for them. Absolutely. Isn't that freeing? It is, <laughs> yes. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Because I feel like we're so quick to want to put labels, want to define and silo people off you know, the hardliners, the tradish people, the intellectuals or the academics or the whatever. But, and and then, you know, you're not doing this right because you're not, you're not enough this, you're not enough that. But in reality, as community, we're all enough put together. So let's come together and then we, we're enough together. So it's like, it's this thinking, I guess, that it's overcomplicated. Um, and so it's nice to have a place like NGC and all these other great Native nonprofits that really embrace bringing people in who have these different gifts, different talents. And then like you, seeing what unique perspective you bring and then making a different job because of what you bring. It's just really, <laughs> that's that that uh, culturally appropriate, culturally relevant thinking applied to organizational structure. That is it exactly. Like, I always second-guessed myself. Like, I, I always felt like I didn't know enough because I didn't know at all. And that's where that, like, my core value of humility comes in, right? Like, understanding and knowing that, um, I don't know everything, but that little bit that I do know, I want to share it, right? And then that collective piece, I want to learn from others. I want to share what I do know with others and thinking about our youth and that seven generation thought process of, you know, sharing what we do know with them is is everything or it could be everything for them, Um and going back to that cultural identity, there was an elder um, that works with my son, Jerry Dearly, Dakota Elder. Um, he told me once when we were talking about feather ceremony and my son's a senior graduating this year, we we're talking about, um, you know, is it appropriate to give seniors that are graduating an eagle feather if they're not enrolled members? Because we know that there's federal policy in place and Jerry very sternly said, 
you give every student that identifies as Native American, whether they are enrolled or not, that eagle feather, because that is the only time in that student's life they are going to be honored in that way and presented with that feather. And it is everything to that student at that time for that cultural connection that they may not ever get for the rest of their lives. So um, every year since then, so that was a few years ago, um, my family's big into traditional netting up on Lake Vermilion. Um, so we do our netting and then I, I'm very active with um, Shakopee schools and find out how many seniors that they have graduating. I put my Asema out, my tobacco out, and I just ask creator, you know, that we have this many seniors graduating. Please help me, you know, present me with this many feathers this year. And every single year, the exact amount of feathers that we need, we find them out in the woods when we bring our fish out there. So, um, you know, just sharing that knowledge and and really paving the way for our young ones that don't have that cultural connection is huge um, because it shows them that you are seen, you are heard, you matter, and we support you. Um, and you don't need your blood quantum card that says that you are validated. And so that was some of the best advice that I was ever given was from good old Jerry. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Jessica Glidden, Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Citizen and Program Manager at the Native Governance Center, a Native-led nonprofit that aids Native nations in the region, strengthening their own governance systems and capacity to exercise their sovereignty. Let's dig into a little bit of the Native Governance Center. Uh, could you just talk about just what it is in your role there at NGC? Yeah, the Native Governance Center is a Native-led nonprofit. Um, so we serve the 23 tribes that share geography with Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. And we have three main program areas. We have a leadership development program. We have our tribal governance support. And then we have community engagement. And so my role there is the program manager for the leadership development program. So every um, two years, we bring in a cohort that uh, is our leadership development team. We call them rebuilders. We honor the fact that each nation has systems in place. So we're not going in with the mindset of tearing down what they've already built, but we in, uh, instead want to go in and rebuild what they have in place to make it more sustainable with that cultural match, the spirited leadership, and that seventh generation thought process. What cohort number are you guys on now? We are on cohort 12. I think that it's so important. So prior to working to Native Governance Center, I worked um, as American Indian Cultural Liaison for Hopkins Public Schools. Um, so really, you know, wanting, driven by that that cultural identity crisis within myself to support, um, you know, scholars just finding their voice, finding themselves, feeling that connection to, you know, culture. And then in that work, recognizing that, the disconnect was really coming from not having leaders that looked like me out in every aspect of my life, not having teachers that looked like me, not having doctors or 
you know, anybody that I looked up to that identified as Native American. So the leadership development program at Native Governance Center is especially important to me because we need leaders that are Native American out in the community. Our young ones need to see leaders that look like them. So what excites you about working at the Governance Center? We have the best team. We have so much fun. So (laughs) I'm like, pinch me, is this real life that I'm even working for such a cool organization um, that is out there doing amazing, important work? Um, Just the visibility piece, you know, growing up, like I said, not having Indigenous leaders that I saw um, out in daily life and knowing that this work is being done on so many levels and being a part of that and then having that creativity piece, you know, being able to bring my voice and what I do know um, to the program and and put that creative spin on there and then connecting with other folks in the community and learning from them. Um, it, it is just such exciting work. Our leaders are doing amazing things out in the community. We have, so our leadership development program, um, one of the expectations for graduation is that they do an action plan. So something that is gonna directly support their community. And some of these folks are doing amazing projects. We've got uh, folks that are working on doing um, a program where it's, you know, a youth after school program, connecting kids to their culture and doing regalia making or revitalizing language in their community. We've got folks that are doing uh, boarding school lessons for their schools or their tribal colleges. Um, We've got one that's doing a financial literacy program just to educate folks in the community about how to manage money and plan for the future. Um, There's just so many cool community action plans that are going out there that are gonna directly impact each of these communities. And it's just so exciting to be a part of this this work, to see these change makers out there in action um, and and continuing to learn from them as well. How can people help out uh, the Native Governance Center and its mission? Folks can really um, support Native Governance Center through our community engagement piece. We offer um, usually about four to five webinars per year just on broader general education pieces. We've done some in the past as um, on Indigenous representation, why it matters. We've done some on cultural appropriation, um, land acknowledgements. So just signing up for those, educating yourself on how to support Native folks, um, and then donating to Native-led organizations, supporting Native nations, and just really, you know, following the work that we do and supporting us by showing up in those virtual spaces and donating if you're able. Thanks for all your time, you know, and all the good work that you're doing. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, get Wobberman. <laughs> yeah, get Wobberman. Such a pleasure to have Jessica on, doing so much good work with Native Governance Center. Some people that can get very discouraged, you know, when they're dealing with identity issues and mm-hmm. things like that. Like, she's a testament, and we are also a testament to just striving forward and just, you know, mm-hmm. sharing those gifts. You know, you just got to do that. Exactly. Let's support one another. 
Thank you to Jessica Glidden, Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Citizen and Program Manager at the Native Governance Center, which is a Native-led nonprofit aiding Native nations in the region, strengthening their own governance systems and capacity to exercise their sovereignty. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giggawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.